And I'm Bill Leslie. Welcome to the Leap Then Look podcast, a series of interviews with artists working at the crossroads of art and education. We work together as Leap Then Look, creating participatory projects, events and workshops for people of all ages and abilities, which focus on creating collaborative, playful and experimental approaches to making art. What kind of spaces do artists create for people to work together in? How does this work inform artistic practice in general? And why is it important right now for artists to find collaborative and participatory ways of working? In this first series of the podcast, there are three recordings. One with collaborators Anis Jocelyn and Sarah Cole. One with Natalie Zervu Kerouish, also known as Starting With Art. And one with Ruby Pester and Nadia Rossi. What all these artists have in common is that they make incredibly exciting artworks, events, workshops and projects through which they involve other people in their artistic processes as participants and collaborators. For these artists, working in this way is not secondary to their own individual art practice, it's central to the understanding of the work they make and the artists they are. We'd like to say thank you to AN, the Artists Information Company, for supporting this podcast with an artist bursary, and thank you to all the artists we spoke with. Alice Jocelyn and Sarah Cole are both artists with 25 years experience working in participatory contexts. Anis's practice explores lived experience through a reflective participatory process encouraging dialogue and play. She uses different approaches to generate material including drawing, animation, photography, performance and storytelling to create moving image artworks. Sarah is an artist who works across different media and contexts to explore pedagogy, performance and place with a particular interest in models of care. Sarah also works as a senior lecturer at Central St Martins, University of the Arts London. As you will hear, Anis and Sarah have known and worked alongside one another for years, but have only recently collaborated on a project together, working with Joining Hands, Joining Hearts, a support group for victims and survivors of domestic and sexual abuse in Kent. Despite the gravity of these women's experience, Anis and Sarah approached the project with characteristic humour, as well as with sensitivity, to create a series of six films titled Messy Business. They went on to develop an installation with some of the film footage, some objects and sound used and created during the commission, titled The Light and the Load which we had recently been to see at Fabrica in Brighton. This interview was recorded in June 2019 in a meeting room at the University of Brighton. Thanks to PhotoWorks for finding us a space. Thanks most of all to Anis and Sarah for giving their time and for the care and thoughtfulness of their conversation. Go on then, sheep. Yeah. You've known each other for quite a long time. Yeah. We met working for the Education Department at the Serpentine Gallery in the... Early 1990s, so a long time ago, 25 yeah. years ago. Not that early 1990s, mid 1990s. 94. Yeah. <laughs> Were you born? <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> I was quite well born. At that point. <laughs> I don't know how long ago 94 was. Right, I'm joking. If you were Sorry. born in 94, then you would be 25. Okay, now. Oh, yeah, because it was 25 years ago, which is what yeah. you said. Yes, you said it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you've worked together on quite a few different projects, haven't you? Because we came to see your installation at Fabrica, which was a development of work that you made with a group 
of women in Kent, wasn't it? Yeah, we were. We that was the first project that we um, have applied for together. It was a commission people united, and and it's the first project that we've. We spent 25 years talking about working together. Yeah, and we've occasionally, Sarah would ring me up and say, I'm making a film with a group of young mothers in a National Trust field in somewhere, can you come and help me, or I'm doing something. And then I'd say, I'm making a film in Oxford about 40 years of feminism, will you come and make me take my clothes off and run around the Oxford Union? (laughs) Um, which is what happened, but I didn't actually. So we'd enter each other's yeah. works, <laughs> and in with different skills or different offers, mm. but we've never worked sus- over a sustained period of time together. But this particular commission came up, and it felt like a really some yeah, the, the perfect sort of project for us, and also the sort of project that would be really good to collaborate on because of the nature of the the fact that it was working with a group of survivors of domestic violence sexual and or sexual abuse over a period of six to well nine months in the end when we applied for it we made part of the proposal we had to make a video as part of the application which was quite unusual to write an application but actually probably an inclusive way of um sort of sharing your ideas to but we decided to approach it but we made a piece of work in response to the kind of subject matter or the or the fact that the charity that was called that were co-commissioners in the process that really interested us as well it was an arts organization and the charity that we were working with joining hands joining hearts they were co-commissioners so the community that we were working with also commissioned us and that was a very transparent process so their tie the, uh, the woman who runs it her sort of mantra was your your mess is your mess uh, my mess is my message we really like that so we responded to that we made a five minute video which we really weren't sure about and we had a little conversation at a table and we sent off we sent it anyway that video was probably what got us the commission for various reasons it made them laugh and um they um so that and they wanted to reenact this video the first time we met them which we couldn't <laughs> believe because we thought that would be normally where we'd be at six months into a project because it involved singing i will survive on helium <laughs> um so <laughs> And they wanted to reenact this in different places. So we were right in there on day one, weren't we? The way we both work um, is that it's entirely speculative and you follow threads, things that seem to have potential or, or sing in one workshop, you then follow the next week. And we both use a lot of materials or a lot of different types of processes to enable different people to contribute contribute in different ways so we did quite a lot of writing which worked for some of the group not others we did a lot of performative gestures that worked for others and then gradually so we did a a session with a loud hailer I can't remember why that how that came about but then there was one person in the group that loved the loud hailer and so that became something that she worked more with so Uh, it's it's a lot of testing I think so every suggest everything I mean like you're saying the loud hailer I can't remember it must have been to do with somebody saying something about wanting to shout from the rooftops or something something about not being able to speak, speak loudly or be heard or be heard um and um we yeah everything that we did we could so everything in the, the work that you saw we would probably be able to trace back to 
something that someone said or, an ob or the fact that somebody chose that certain object or the fact that there was this bear in the setting called Bear Blue that we that was used. But I, th I think and also, sorry to interrupt, but I think one of the, the key things that I think so important about working like this is it's about um, listening in a very particular way and that's why I think it this question around education and practice it, it kind of sits in this question of how one listens and when we're working we're listening to each other very acutely but we're also listening to each and every person in the room and trying to work out what it is that's coming to us which is why after any workshop there's a there's an equal amount of time digesting what happened what the vibe was mm. what kind of spun out of it where there were crunchy moments where there was really fluid movements with things you know over the teacups and i and think eating. that's because we would be able to listen in different ways and also have different roles within a sort of day so it might be that you know i'd be running and we might say if we were doing mm. some filming or we were having recording some conversations or making some animations or whatever it was i might be running around with you know doing stuff with the and then i might be washing up you'd in be the kitchen. sitting having a cup of tea with someone and finding out something in another way but i think the thing that i valued one of the things i valued about collaborating is with a partner a creative partner rather than work with a producer <coughs> or an assistant or sort of a different setup is um, we were able to be very vocal about the questions we were having and they were often different questions and we would unpick them or kind of um, analyse what issues were surfacing for us personally as well as politically or professionally um, and we could also egg each other on to be a bit more ambitious which you know just in terms of manpower and making things happen um, and the journeying and the sort of cups of tea afterwards were a really big part of that, weren't they? Yeah, that sort of egging on thing I think is really important. And, and also you being very, yes, we can do it person. So, um, oh, it'd be nice to go off and, you know, do this stuff by the beach one day. Let's just, well, let's go and do it today. Let's see if Janet's up for it. I'm mm. wondering about the sort of the things that you bring to that setting so that you're kind of poised in a particular way to catch what people I think are. there's a lot of holding holding individuals and holding spaces and making sure that the the reason why you're there and what you're doing is always understood within an art context rather than it bleeding into something else. Um, I think I had did a project once where someone at the end referred to me as a fearless leader and I was really shocked that A, I was being called a leader and B, she hadn't noticed how I'd been terrified throughout the whole process and mm -hmm. I thought I'd been quite transparent about the fact I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I thought people obviously layer you with what they need you to be but actually I think what that means is that you are fearless in terms of saying oh whatever let's try it and actually you realize that most parts of our lives we don't just try things and we don't want to fail and we don't want to look stupid and actually creating a space where you know Anis was actively learning to play the ukulele sometimes very well sometimes less so in public was quite liberating for people, you know, and we were all singing and some of us are terrible. I'm terrible at singing and none of us gave a shit. Sorry to swear. That's right. Swear um, as much as you like. How, <laughs> don't encourage <laughs> me. <laughs> but, you know, none of us cared. And it's about, and that's probably why I really love working with people of a certain age, sort of older women mostly. It just seems to be the way it is. But the kind of feeling of I don't give a damn anymore. I've stopped feeling shame. I've stopped feeling embarrassed. I've stopped feeling responsible. And that's a really creative place to be. Mm. And humour seems to be really important. And yeah. they obviously really responded to that. 
and then you two well it definitely always... had funny and dark in it it was yeah. funny and dark you know it had both um yeah oh and i think the first line of the application was we like to laugh Dunno. It was early on in the. I just I reread yeah. it the other day because I was trying to. Well, it's a good thing to say. Thing. This this yeah. can be fun. The the yeah. actual yeah. work is quite dark, but the process can be hilarious. And, but they yeah. also really like to laugh, so I think it was a really good fit. And I think that you know um, we might we might apply to do something somewhere else, and it might not fit because that mm. you know the way you know might not work. But um, yeah, it's really important. Yeah. Um, maybe that fearless leader thing mm. comes back to a, a kind of a power that being openly uncertain about stuff maybe. gives you, you know. Yeah. And it, maybe humour is a part of that because mm. when you're when you're kind of not sure where you are, but you're confident with that, that's when you can kind of laugh at that situation, you know. Yeah. And I've, I don't know, I, I don't know how you find, but people, I suspect that people <clears throat> across the board respond to that. They do. Um, I was at a conference a while ago and so it was a teaching thing and somebody said they were working with this woman who only teaches things she knows nothing about. <laughs> and I thought, that's brilliant, that could become my new mantra. <laughs> you know, let's just pretend that you, you know, know nothing, let's just start from that. Well, in a sense, I suppose art, that fits with art school teaching in a lot of ways, though, doesn't it? Because someone's yeah. coming to you and you're saying, oh, I can't tell you what your art practice is going to be. Mm. You're going to have to find that out and I'll do my best to kind of steer you away <laughs> from it. the bad ideas and towards, <laughs> or you know, or, yeah. or kind of all the ones that feel kind of hackneyed or done before, perhaps. And I'm going to steer you towards the ones that feel like you're getting to something that surprises me and maybe will surprise you. Yeah, I'll constantly I mean, reflect it back. You know what's really going on what's driving these questions what why do you feel this is something you need to do have you thought about trying that but i think that's yeah. what we did with the women as well we'd, yeah. we'd show work so we'd try something out and then we'd put it together in a edit it if it needed editing or add sound on or do something to it and then we'd show it back to the group and get them to mm. respond critically to it and and position themselves very much as like you're the artist now looking at this you know um and they it was incredible the mm. conversations we had in response to the what we were making but also i think with this sort of process it's about when occasionally really difficult ugly toxic stuff comes out and again it's not your job to deal with it as a social worker it's to try and find some kind of mechanism through a practice to help that person and you make sense of it so it's constantly kind of going okay well, I hear you and I know this but why don't we try doing that in a different kind of way uh, and and it's kind of giving people and yourselves a license to um, explore expression and see what that does and it's that sort of play space where something needs to come out somehow so we'll all just try something that is either a metaphor or a literal inaction of it or kick the bucket let's get some buckets let's kick them you know let's kick them into the sea and then we've got to get them out and then things happen and it's 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 i remember doing a workshop once and i came home and my son was only one or two and he was in the bath and i held these strawberries with me and I suddenly said, oh, let's put all the strawberries in the bath with you. And I thought, oh, this is the artist talking, not the parent. And we had a lovely moment. And I thought, I must remember 
the joy of bringing the artist into this role and he's you know he was absolutely laden with strawberries he could barely move in the bath and we had I had a lovely time um he doesn't remember it but it's that kind of feeling of trying to live in that responsive kind of way and I think that's why you know I I haven't I don't work like this because it's it's what people do now and I'm not doing it for any political reasons it's just that that's where the pleasure is it's funny that you've come back to talking about your son because when you were saying talking about older women that description of working with people who kind of are more willing to throw things off and go with it that I I thought oh that's that is a sentiment I've heard other people and I often associate with working with small children Mm. where you there is a willingness just to go okay you know. Up to a certain age <laughs> yeah. before they become um, more self-conscious. Or, yeah, I mean, I love working yeah. with teenagers, but it's a completely different process. You know, it's much harder to get yeah. to a point of freedom, and then that freedom is mitigated by sorts of other things. There's a different kind of edge to that kind of work. But yeah, young children, older people, definitely a sense of less constraints around what they should be doing that's why and time is so important that's all those projects with older people and, and <laughs> nurse and nursery and uh yeah toddlers those intergenerational and yeah working mm. so well because mm. they're kind of meeting in a place where they can tap into something in each other mm. and then in terms of the sort of i suppose the art work because the project i'm thinking particularly the the this project with the survivors Messy business. Messy business. That has become an artwork which is yours, which is sort of, or is it? I'm wondering how you Mm. kind of think about the results of that, what kind of permissions you give yourself to use the material that's been made, how you think about it, whether there's this sort of some sense of joint authorship, whether it's, yeah, just that is a messy business in itself, isn't it? Mm. (laughs) Because the, the sort of outcome of that was you made six short videos didn't you that can be watched consecutively as one piece and then you did a screening to show to families and friends of that group as well yeah, yeah i mean we, we we presented it didn't we we and they and that was quite a clear sort of like, messy business is finished this is the light in the load and we're you know we're going to use this material and we've also in that we put in new material that's not in the film in the six so the the chair with the audio story we didn't none of that exists in the film yeah so you went scri- you took that material that was created during yeah the making and of those six videos yeah but we asked we contacted them and asked them and showed them what we were going to do and had a conversation and got consent to use it um but with any rich process you have tons of work that you don't use yeah and we just found a space for it there. We thought, well, we want to test out how that works. And we felt it would work in that context. But uh, So there was Fabrica in Brighton, Fabrica, which is yeah. a, a gallery, which is an yeah. old church. And yeah. that, I mean, and you had four days yeah. in there to play. I mean, this is really interesting to me because I guess the process seems very responsive and very kind of open. And then the a film or series of six films feels quite finished, but yeah. then it sort of opens up again in terms of that exhibition, that installation, mm. I suppose. And that was really mm. an opportunity for us to respond again to what, a bit like at the beginning we responded with this video and then we did this project and then we then wanted to respond in another way. What was your process know? like during those four days? Because lots of objects from the films and other objects came into the space. How yeah, we, we brought a lot of them? material that we used during the project like a load of broken crockery and 
this the bears. yeah the big teddy bears huge so we had some with we had some physical material we had some images we had some things that hadn't been fully resolved um we had some stories um so we, we had brought them equipment. all with us and we had some equipment but we, i still you know we didn't play as much as we wanted i think i we, spent a lot of time fiddling with projectors yeah and there were some <laughs> great moments like the big projection up on the wall where yeah i've forgotten exactly what the was now but it kind of it was interrupted by the stained glass, by the stained yeah, glass window. Yeah, eyes and then breaking glass. So, yeah, um, very different watching that as a single screen thing to that. But, yeah, we we really wanted the space to inform what it, we wanted to work with the space. So, yeah, we just started playing. With but I think that was quite interesting. Were. I don't know how often that happens at Fabrica, but I think what I noted was that because of the way we work and we're always interested mm. in the space and the people and the context and the situation and we naturally can't help but be situation specific in every kind of interaction even like how we sat down on this table became a bit of a thing today <laughs> so we entered Fabrica instantly I was up in the font and was checking the plug sockets we were looking at the potential of the space mm in a way that I don't think they've always had artists do. No, so, so obvious. yeah, yeah, Liz said that, yeah. And she was really fascinated with the tape and that had come out because there was this tape on, we immediately noticed there was this, these bits, little bits of tape on the floor. And so we Just started extending, extending them and then turning them and that, and then we took them and we, we had that there for a while, didn't we? And we? Then we took them all away. Once we had all the projection, we'd worked out where we wanted the, projectors to be in the site and which ones would work in different spaces to ready for sort of to test out and then we took them all, all that tape away and then we're like no we want it all back but I guess all back it's again. back to this thing yeah. about being responsive isn't it yeah. it's like there's no way either of us intellectually or instinctively would have thought that was a neutral space I and mean, obviously it's a church so you can't ignore that mm. but even if it had been a gallery it wouldn't have been neutral so it's, I guess, maybe inherent in this practice is understanding that every context is quite complicated and it's not just the people, it's also the environment and how the environment forms, how you behave or what you could do with it. This is sort of the difficult and interesting thing we've got at the moment where we're hoping to do a small tour of that installation. We're not going to a gallery saying, we want this, it's going to look like this. We kind of want to see... What's we've got possible? this material we've got these some of these objects we might bring something new because we've had another thought between now and then and we still want to go on being responsive to that situation also that, so that theory around play to do with affordance and, and how a child would enter the room we're in now and instantly assess what the space affords in terms of play yeah. like what's the under table space what's the kind of in those cupboards what and i guess that's what some artists need to do as well it's like well where's the fun here i suppose I w i'm wondering about that whether there's something about play and perhaps something about improvisation or that there are these kind of performance tropes which maybe are a good fit with, with I i've just done this a week-long residency with students um and kind of i was working with a, a very dear and brilliant colleague and realising the degree to which it's not just about listening and being attentive it's also about understanding particularly if you're working in a social environment is that you are working all the time even when you look like you're having a cup of tea and a natter you're absolutely working it that's there's something really interesting about um, 
not just holding the space, but also creating spaces that um, allow gestures or um, small actions, small um, repetitions to become symbolic in a way. Um, so actually the act of writing was a performative thing, I think, in our work. We, nearly every week we did writing exercises mm. and they became more and more bold as people got used to it. And sometimes the words were spoken and sometimes they were chanted and sometimes they were shouted and sometimes they were sung. I think for me what's interesting about working with you, because you do work with performance, or you'll say, you know, whereas I have that background in it, which I, I don't really... Yeah. I don't know what you... you deal with performance all the time I do, and you edit but like a dancer <laughs> yeah I mean I don't suppose and I think the it is a performance isn't it uh, being in, a, in a, the role of even when you know if you're facilitating a workshop it's very much a performance you know and that, what, what do you mean edit like a dancer that's she's well she's kind of always looking for the rhythm of things and the balance of things and and it's a kind of it's just something about the way you think when you're working with moving image that's interesting yeah, yeah that's really interesting that. yeah. how you bring these sort of not just vocabulary but the kind of conceptualization of the way you understand things from one art form to another mm. yeah these mm. amazing kind of crossovers i mean <laughs> well also sorry i was gonna say i quite often work with objects i might take a suitcase full of objects and you work with objects as well but when we I often wouldn't do I mean we did those I love these sessions and when we worked together in messy business where um, we did these one minute or 30 second performances so everybody had to choose an object and I would often do a choosing of the object but that might result in just talking about what we chose which in the same way you might choose an image or a postcard and then we'll talk about you know why you chose that and that might mm. be just a way of getting to know each other which is we did do didn't we mm. the postcards that revealed quite a lot mm. Um, but you then straight away did a performance activity so directly perform you know so that's the sort of difference I'm talking about that it is definitely what I do is performative but yours with this was I don't often do that so 30 seconds you have to do a, a gesture a performance with this object and it has to last for 30 seconds and you've got to think mm -hmm. about the beginning and end of that mm what that is and that was really difficult for people but amazing as well mm. and they often came and weeks later they would come back with people is there anything you've done that you'd like to do again and we were surprised when they said oh we like those mm. we did that performance I think, I think also because yeah. I haven't got any training you've got a lot more training in performance than me the um <laughs> is that um work when you work collaboratively you learn skills off other people don't you I mean it's yeah. so obvious but I've also one of the lovely yeah. things about working every week with Anis was occasionally we would cast a look at each other and we absolutely knew what that look was which was either shit I don't know where we're going <laughs> where you're going but I trust you <laughs> or really <laughs> or let's talk about this later you know there was kind of like we kind of knew what every look meant didn't we yeah um, you know all those things that you're doing and also that the fact that all of that isn't accidental that although you might not be able to know exactly what you're doing but how you set up a space to be and also the impact of somebody else coming into that space mm. I've had loads of situations like that where you're being asked is it all right if we just if so and so just comes and has a look at what you're doing or could we come in on that session and and you have to be really and actually 
thinking about now, I'm very confident to say, no, you can't come into this session um, because we you actually, change the dynamic. Because these microcosm worlds you create are really fragile. Mm. They're really fragile. And again, that's because you're holding them. But I always think it's quite funny is that I know I'm doing my job really well as an artist if everyone thinks I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I sometimes would like to do less. I think it's really good to, you know, I have to check myself quite often just to get, no, it's just don't do so much. You, you have, have to sit with it. Yeah. For me, the two things that I love about working longer term with the same group is that you develop a knowingness about each other, at what what's happened, so that you can, you don't have to speak very much. Like I might go, oh, do you think we should do it this way? And everyone will understand why, because we've all seen what its capacity is somewhere else further down the process. Or, or if you say, oh, we need some candy floss, everyone knows that's because 15 weeks ago we did something with candy floss. So it, it kind of becomes yeah. a shorthand for um, a vocabulary. Well, yeah, you develop mm. a language together, don't you? We really, we really did. Yeah. And also I think when you work longer term is you... You, that thing of learning to go in and be all, all moving, all shaking leader. It, often, when I've worked on longer projects, I've literally just turned up with a couple of laundry bags full of stuff and said, What are we going to do today? And it's just heaven to, for them to go, Well, let's have a look what's in the bag. Or, Actually, Sarah, mm. I've been thinking about this and I want to, uh, can we try that thing that we never got around to do? And it's just, I mean, yeah. I, you don't go in entirely without any tricks, but you it becomes a proper collaboration and that's a that's the best place to be i think that's that thing you were saying mm. about being told that you're not doing anything you know or, or are you or at that point where you, you actually can stand back you know and just throw a load of materials out and it might appear um that uh it'd be great because that but it isn't it isn't just it's not as simple as like you say it's not as simple as we've just if you unpick it, you've you've selected a particular set of materials that you're you've placed in a space in a in a particular way, and you're going to go in at the right moment and make suggestions, or sit down and do something with someone at a particular moment when they think they need, or facilitate a group of people doing joining those two things together that they're making over there, or you know, so it's it's um yeah, you might, but you know, you might spend a lot of time observing. I guess as well, thinking back to that, you know. Um, this model of teacher on a sort of higher plane, ch student mm. on a lower plane, and you instructing them in the thing that, that you know about and the they don't know about. Fountain of wisdom. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, open, you're the bucket, and I'm going to pour this wisdom into you, and then mm. you'll, you will be filled mm. up with it. Um, but the way you're talking about um, the projects that you work, you know, you're talking about the different activities that you did um, with joining hearts, joining hands. Um, as let's do this let's all do this together mm. you know putting yourselves dropping yourselves right into that mm. group and I guess yeah it's interesting that you know you approach that group with a sort of humor a sort of friendly like we'll make this kind of um there'll be a social connection that you make yeah but I think a lot of it comes with experience a lot of it's about understanding your own personal boundaries and what the boundaries are of the work um and those edges are really important and you test them can sometimes. be tricky sometimes yeah mm. yeah and, and understanding where humor is useful and where some sort of quite serious frame needs to be put in or where you need to come in and actually be quite assertive 
at times or to shut something down if it's not working and then be quite transparent about why it's not working for you they can do something with it but you're not going to um and i think coming in and with a very brazen we don't know what we're doing but we want you to join us kind of attitude is that took years to learn how to do that and be convincing (laughs) yeah yeah so it's you know it there's something around I think I take way more risks now than I would have done 15, 20 years ago because I know that something will come out of it. And and I also know that I can confidently encourage people to not be scared to try it. 